Welcome to Lord Clark and Friends, episode number 15. This is our special Christmas episode. So we're back here with uh, Lord Clark and Lord Cran for our Christmas special. Uh, Woohoo! Woohoo! It's Christmas. I got, uh, oh, oh, oh. I got another five days off, so I'm happy. Some people more than five. If if uh, Santa has been good, no. If if they, someone is a uh, been good, yeah. Well, in any event, I have five days off without having to uh, sacrifice any uh, time off, so I'm happy. Yep. Um. Excellent. So, so I noticed we wanted to get straight into the show with uh, some very interesting things. Um. <clears throat> Send me an article about a man used a blowtorch to melt ice and set his house on fire. Yep, that was a Bedford man, if I recall. New Bedford, actually. New Bedford, New Bedford. Yeah. Yeah. Near Fall River. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was funny that he did 30 grand worth of damage to his house by trying to blowtorch the back steps, but. Well, there's a lot to be said here. I'm going to just jump in to the, the two most important things that I got out of this. Okay? One of them was that every news source that I read about it or, I, or the videos that I saw would always seem to make a point. Oh, and he has not been uh, – there has been no criminal charges filed against him. He hasn't been uh, booked with any charge. And they were basically saying, well, you know, it's not a crime to uh, remove snow via means of fire. Right. Which is um, kind of interesting that one would assume that it is, or it should be, or, <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, I... you could claim negligence there. Um, it's obviously poor judgment, but... You gotta give the guy credit. It's not a bad idea. It was just very poorly executed. Yeah, I I tend to agree with it. And after seeing what he he was blowtorching, I kind of agree that the execution just was lacking. Uh, because you you just gotta be kind of use some common sense when blowtorching a uh, near your vinyl siding. I mean, I don't know. Well, well, here's the thing. You know, every which way you turn, uh, you have the government stepping in and telling you what to do, okay? In right. Cambridge, they're, they're already fining people for uh, where they're ratting out their neighbors um, for the whether or not they've sh shoveled their snow adequately or whether or not they've put the, the rock salt down. Now, I want to talk about this because... There are a bunch of laws on the books. Now, I don't know what level they're at, but basically you're not supposed to use salt anymore because it'll, I don't know, maybe it'll it'll melt the sidewalks or, oh. no, 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 it'll kill some environment or some crap like that. Well, look. I thought that was only in certain areas you couldn't use rock salt, like if you were near a water table or something. Well, I guess, well, here's the thing. It's weird because you're supposed to use some sort of ice melt, but they don't want you to use salt anymore. Right. And you know what? Salt is the, probably the best thing for melting snow. 
And yeah. it's also it's, it's probably one of the cheapest things to, but more importantly, it's the most effective. It doesn't, you know, get everything all dirty. I mean, I remember years ago, they used to salt the roads, and guess what? It was easier to walk on, it was easier to drive on, and it wasn't a mess, okay? We sand the roads now, and they make a big, flushy mess. Right. Yeah, and what's funny is the roads that they actually salt, and they uh, they do limit limited salt when uh, they're near schools. The, those roads are clear and fine. And the roads that they use sand on are crappy, and you can barely drive on them. Yep. Yep. Um, I can definitely see the points on why you want to be concerned about salt. I mean, throwing that much potassium around does have some issues. It does seem to eat through things. Yeah, but is it any worse than, say, some of the man-made stuff that we're throwing, some of these wacky chemicals that we're throwing down. Salt has been there since the beginning of time. Okay? Granted, it wasn't, you know, we had it in the form of the ocean. Oh, okay? no. The ocean water would probably do a better job of melting. Okay, you know? so, uh, so uh, sorry, I'm getting confused between the two salts. Um, the salt that you're talking about, sodium chloride, which is fine, um, that actually does rot the, the grass. And does a few other things. Um, what you really want to be using, and what I found to be the most effective thing in treating this with some chemical issues, is uh, potassium chloride, which is basically chemically the same type of salt, but potassium is a little bit more reactive with uh, water. Yeah. So you want to use a potassium chloride because it'll uh, it'll get rid of this the snow much, much snow and ice much much faster um and is much more effective uh mm. just because it's just much more reactive and what they sell and they do mix it in with the sanding so they don't mix it in as much uh as they did with salt on the when salting the road but they use that type of salt now instead yeah. And it's actually more effective, but... Well, there used to be these pallets... These see, they, they switched over the years. I mean, I remember, like, the Roadrunner and the, the other little... Like, they had pellets, and mm -hmm. the bigger pellets, you'd need fewer of them, and they were a hell of a lot more effective. You can't find the bigger pellets anymore. You right. need to get this crappy, messy rock salt stuff. Yeah. Or you get sand, or you get the little pellets that don't do anything. Well, I go with the uh, the potassium chloride rock salt. Yeah. But you have to be careful because you got to make sure it uses the, uh, is that they're doing the potassium chloride. Because if not, mm. it's, it's really crappy rock salt. <laughs> they don't use enough of it. Yeah. Or at least yeah. that's my opinion. Yeah. Of the matter, I'd like to see some. You know, let's move down the the uh, chain and get some some of the cesium chloride or something. You know, really work hardcore on the on the water. Maybe even yeah. see your 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 uh, driveway burning while you when you spread it as it gets rid of the ice. But uh, <laughs> I think that'd be really interesting. 
uh, to light your driveway on fire, you know, because we're talking about somebody lighting, trying to light their driveway on fire. You know, I wonder yeah. what some cesium chloride salt would look would do. Uh, <laughs> uh, I suspect it would be kind of colorful. The flames would be bouncing around like a a Christmas tree. Yeah, I think it would actually be quite interesting. <laughs> Yeah. Um, years ago, when I had a chemistry set, I actually set my dad's workbench ablaze yeah. with, by pouring chemicals. I accidentally spilled it, but I lit it. I say, "Well, it's already poured out. It's already a mess. Let's light it." And <laughs> there was there were like you know two foot flames coming off of my dad's workbench, and it was all chemical fire, and it was still burning, and. It never actually caught the wood on fire, which is good. He didn't find out until years later when I told him. Right. But it was it was one of these things where, you know, if you get enough chemicals in a chemical fire and you and you can put it out in time, you could probably just pour a whole bunch of chemicals on your your driveway and then just light it and then smother it out when it seems to have melted. You no. Know? Yeah, you can do that. Um, except that the problem is is you've got to. Basically, it'll put itself out when you burn all the reactants off. <laughs> um, that's basically what you're doing with the salts anyways. Yeah. <laughs> you're burning one of the two reactants off. Um, as, Let's as try this at home, kids, I guess, is probably a fair enough warning to everybody listening. Uh we're just talking the talk here. We may try this stuff on our own, but we're not advising it, and we take no liability. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I have tried many of these things at home. I have tried many of these things in, in chemistry class with the teacher not looking. Um, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and I have tried a few of these things on my own. Um, I do not in any way, shape, or form recommend doing it. If you're going to do it, though, videotape it, please, and send it in. Um, <laughs> yep, yep, yep. We'll be gladly accepting submissions. We'll, we'll gladly accept your videotapes of any chemistry problems you want to solve. Um, but uh, we do not recommend it in any way, shape, or form. Uh, but we had a lot of fun trying it ourselves. Right. Um, Okay, well, let's move on to the next topic here. Yep. Uh, Colorado doctor finds foot in newborn's brain. This is another article you sent me, infant recovering after surgery. Yep. Well, I guess the foot to the head, you know. Yeah, bad joke. Well, you know, we've heard of some people put their foot in their mouth, but having a foot in the brain, now that's ridiculous. Yeah. Wah, 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 wah. Uh, bad joke. Yeah. Um, well, it's just something interesting. I'm always up for a medical oddity. I always like looking into medical oddities. I'm still still trying to figure out the locomotion of the girl with one head and two bodies. Um, but the foot in the brain just kind of uh, makes me laugh a little bit. Mm. Uh, we need some more stem cell research. It's a strange development, that's for sure. I mean, Definitely. as of late, there have been a few uh, people who uh, have had extra arms and extra legs coming out. Uh, 
you'd think that they left that stuff all in like mythology and like wall carvings and paintings and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, I just think you know, you're we're now finally getting to see all of the circus sides. There are circus. Circus sideshow attractions are now considered medical, quote, medical oddities. Um, and so we're going to start seeing a lot of those, I think, you know, as especially as the population of the world gets bigger. We'll definitely have well, more statistical well, medical oddities. Well, the thing is, though, the, the, as of late, I mean, if you look at the situation, uh, maybe a hundred years ago, it would be a circus oddity. It would be a you know, uh, freaks uh, or sideshows, or you know, how they used to, um, how they used to treat things like that. Now it's like, oh well, let's go get a team of doctors in, and let's go fix this. Well, yep. maybe maybe people are supposed to have extra arms and legs, and maybe we're just you know killing off a mutation that belongs there. It, I don't know. I mean, it's one of those things where, as a society, we may look at it and say, oh, we've got control of where the society's going, and why let whatever, you know, Mother Nature has in mind take form. Well, I think the saddest thing about the whole deal is society's going to label him as a freak no matter what. You know, at least in the circus, circus sideshow, the... Uh, they they got paid for being freaks. I mean, now we just label them a freak and give them some free surgery. But you know, I'd rather have them in the circus sideshow. Side well, there's a fine line between getting paid and and exploiting some. I mean, I'm sure that goes on too. Well, you know, I mean, from what I understand, Barnum and Bailey and Ringling Brothers, uh, they they may have exploited them for wealth, but they all, they took care of them, and the, all the people that worked for those guys loved them. Mm. You know. Because they had a life when they wouldn't have had any at all. Mm. Now I'm still I'm still willing to, uh, you know, and I'm not sure if I should bring it up here, but you know, what do you think about the living doll, the Progeria kid? You know, should we go out and try to find Progeria kids for rich families? What? You know, the Progeria kids. You know, the ones that Mori Povich likes to put on his sideshow. Uh, oh, I haven't caught any of that. No, I'm. Absolutely oblivious. So you're absolutely oblivious to the micro people. Yes, I've never heard of the micro people. <laughs> the person that's fully grown and is only one foot five or something like that. Oh, okay. So, so I've always had the idea that they they that they might be uh, worth being living dolls for the rich. Uh, okay. But that's just my twisted sense of justice. Well, justice or humor, depending on how you look at it. <laughs> well, you know, the universe has to balance itself somehow. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Alrighty then. And what else do we got on the plate? Well, we have a super supermarket defends itself over Adolf Hitler cake. Oh yes. This was, was some rather astute um, baby names in there, right? Yeah, there are some really interesting ones. Okay, so give us a quick rundown. What happened? 
Okay, so this this uh, woman, for the second year in a row, decided to go to the local supermarket um, and ask to have her child, three-year-old child's name be put on a birthday cake. And her three-year-old child's name is Adolf Hitler Campbell. And the shoprite decided to uh, deny her request. So she, this is the most interesting part of all of this. And is that she then had to go to the local Walmart, which actually fulfilled her request for Adolf Hitler Campbell's cake. Mm. Um, and I thought that was the most interesting part about this: is Walmart's never below making a buck. Um, well, don't you recall though, for years, many different, um, many different like audio CDs, you know, just music and stuff was all prohibited from being sold at Walmart, and then they would go in and they would, like, you, 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 like, you know, over profanities, they'd make those, like, weird sound effects that would, right. just, like, like censor it out. Now that I'm sure that they're just letting everything go through. So Actually, no, they still have that censoring. Uh, they have oh, the they Walmart do. version. Yeah, they still they still do that. Oh, okay. That's why I was so, kind of shocked that Walmart was, well, you know, I guess when it comes to people, you know, they don't really discriminate. They just want to impose their morals on you, mm. which is fine because they're a private, well, they're a publicly held corporation, but they're, as far as I'm concerned, a non-government organization, so they can do whatever they really want as far as what they sell. Well, you know, there's got to be some level of accountability here. And they the fact is that these parents, if this were a problem in the first place, the state shouldn't have let them name their kid that if it were a problem. Well, I, I, I mean, honestly, if you drop the middle name, which nobody really uses, Adolph Campbell is not a bad name to the state. Just his middle name kind of makes it kind of perverse. Well. Um, but I I thought we needed to read into this article here, and I'm trying to let me well, find there's, it. There's more that we can read into it, but it's all high level, you know? No, but um, I, I thought what, it was funny. With these people? I mean, <laughs> you know, they named their kids something that they knew. I mean, they're just asking for trouble. It's like... Um, I don't know, a hooker asking to be raped, right? I mean, yeah, they're asking for trouble. They name their kids uh, in a way that it's going to give their kids problems growing up, period. And one could also say, you know, that's um, it's kind of nasty. I mean, well... <laughs> you, you can make you can make judgments on it, you know, for and against. Sure, it's a, an unusual name. Now, the uh, the daughter, her name was what? Joyce Lynn Arian Nation Campbell. Okay, Joyce Lynn Arian Nation Campbell. Okay, let alone what her name means to them and it means to the parents. Okay, you gotta, you know, I mean, it's pretty cool. I mean, I know people who have had like long last names. Okay, and if they're going to grade school and they're told for like, I don't know, six years at least to sign uh, all of their papers with their full name, they're going to be sitting there like 20 minutes every time trying to remember all the parts of their name and how to spell it right. Well, I think this is this is more, this is the middle name 
for this Joyce Lynn Campbell, where, you know, I never remember my teacher making me try to spell out Daniel. She had a hard enough time trying to teach me how to spell Jonathan, but, uh, you know. So, uh, you know, they never made me spell out my middle name, so I can't see where this is going to go too badly wrong for the kid. I can see Adolf over there. He's going to get killed, but unless he, unless he comes up with, well, then again, you know, he could have a lot of white power friends, so. He's going to be the... Uh, yeah, they're, they're from Virginia or Pennsylvania? Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. So they're, they're, they're in a northern state, too, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, they're probably originally from the south. Well, Pennsylvania isn't that far from from the south. Right. But it's just an interesting... Uh, and the other child's name, the uh, one that's... Well, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I, I understand, you know, the, the states do things a lot differently. But if something like that were to happen in Massachusetts, okay, someone at, like, DYS would basically try to take the kids away from the parents because uh, what they're doing is um, basically uh, negligence or, or perhaps uh, – Something. I mean, if you're doing something wrong, that the state would find out a way well, to, the, the uh, to take the kids away from the parents because the parents are just doing something wrong. I think the state would probably use abuse with the names, you know, because it's abusive, you know, the kids. Yeah, abuse, that's the word. Abuse, yeah. I, I don't know. That's where I think they try to come in, but it sounds like uh, these people... Uh, are going to, you know, or they can, you can name your kid whatever you want. Um, and it sounds like there's nobody to really stop you either because even I've heard stories of strange names and people don't stop parents from misspelling names even. Right. You know, or naming kids Apple, you know. I mean, let's face it. Uh, you know. Yeah. Moon Unit, you know, Frank Zappa's kid named Moon Unit, you know. Yep. Adolf or anywhere Adolf Hitler any worse than Moon Unit? I mean, these are just things that we gotta think about. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what to make of that one. I don't either. I mean, nobody got killed. I mean, you can. I guess. I mean, <laughs> nobody got killed in the naming of this child, but presumably the parents probably should be. Yeah, they probably should be. <laughs> now, our next topic is uh, doctors perform surgery at pasta factory. Do you remember this one? Yeah. <laughs> you want to uh, embellish us here? All right, so there's this guy working on some sort of dough. I think it might have been pasta dough or pizza dough or something. And it's at an Italian restaurant, and he sticks his arm in to get some. Something out, and well, for whatever reason, he loses a good chunk of his arm, and they couldn't get him out of the machine. <laughs> okay, so he gets his arm stuck in the machine, so they have to surgically remove his arm at the pasta factory. That's basically it. They actually had they couldn't get him out of it, so they 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 had to uh, do that there. 
oh, just they put them on a bunch of, of painkillers. And it was funny because the workers there just didn't seem to. They're like, well, you, you, we want to save our workers. Don't don't worry about the machines. <laughs> like, well, okay, as long as they get those priorities right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, at least they you know, do. That's definitely not real parm in the dinner that night. <laughs> no. Oh. I, I don't know. It's one of these wacky pre-Christmas things that you, you hear about, and you're like, what was he thinking? I mean, I think that's a potential Darwin Award uh, candidate. Well, you never. I mean, large machinery, I've heard too many stories of large machinery. Oh, I understand that, but come on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, who doesn't know to 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 keep their arms, legs, and other appendages, perhaps, out of anything that has moving parts <laughs> that could dismember you? <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on. (laughs) And the fact that they didn't have any safety mechanism in place for that, it's like, well, well, I mean, here's a good example. I mean, I I understand that that's a lot more risky of a job, I guess. I I, I wouldn't think that working working at an Italian restaurant would be a high-risk job in the kitchen, but I guess it is. Let's say we take something a little, even a little simpler. Say something, you're, you're in your home, and... Something falls into the sink, perhaps a fork or a spoon or a bottle cap, and it goes down the disposal. It falls in the sink, it goes down the disposal. Okay. What idiot would stick their hand down there? Oh, you'd be as surprised. A, as, a, as opposed to fishing it out with, like, say, another item. Right. Okay. I mean, who would just, you know, put themselves at the possibility, hey, I'm going to just, like, you know, um, puree my hand off trying to get something, okay? Just, <laughs> can, can you not, I mean, can you not see the impending danger of putting any part of yourself into a high-velocity, potentially sharp, in many ways, moving object? Yeah, uh, and it sounded like that this this guy to unjam the machine. He's so he reached into the machine purposefully while it was on to unjam it. Okay, now is that not brilliant? That is brilliant. Okay, that, that takes um, I don't know. That takes a level takes, of brilliance. That takes a new level of stupidity. Okay, that's what it takes. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. I don't know how one could justify that. But then again, I mean, compared to some of the actions we've seen the state do lately, okay, it doesn't necessarily look that dumb because at least he was trying to trying to solve a problem his, himself, whereas our, our local state government uh, seemed to dis- not, uh, like, uh, dislike or otherwise not encourage people to do self-help. That's true. So, so there's a matter of, you know, well... Are you going to wait for somebody to come by and do it for you? You're going to jump right in and lose an arm. Um, well, you look at extremes there, and in this case, neither <laughs> one of them are correct. Yeah, true. <laughs>
All right. <laughs> I think we've killed that article. Yeah. Uh, well, then we all we definitely have to mention the uh, Bush assailant kickstart sales for Shoemaker. Oh yes, yes. Okay, so it's like this: a reporter at a press conference with our beloved president. Yep. Takes off his shoes, throws them at the president. President Duck, he says, oh, it was a size 10. Okay. Yeah, now, what exactly should the reaction be? Okay, I mean, I'm sure that, and especially in math, there's a lot of people who say, oh, yeah, well, Bush lied, people died, Bush sucked, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We hate Bush, eight years of this, eight years of that, blah, 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 ha, 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 whatever. Okay, there's a majority of liberals right there. Yeah. That's their opinion in a nutshell. Okay? You can now discount them because they're idiots. And move on to the next part, which is, okay, where were our secret servicemen? Where where was anybody there, there to stick up for the president? And honestly, why did our president, A, respond so dumb or dumbfounded, or in a dumb manner, I don't take your pick, all of the above, to this guy throwing his shoe, okay? I, I don't know. And I mean, where, where, where did the, did I say, did I go from one to A, no, one to B, or A to two? I don't know. I don't know. I, it doesn't matter, but that's not the point. The, the point is, ha, the point is, why didn't Bush, as a red-blooded American male, especially from Texas, not run after the guy and slug him? Oh, I, I figured from Texas, you know, he's throwing a shoe at you. That gives you full right to pull out your he forty-five. Down with it. No, yeah, well, at minimum. Which does bring bring up a good uh, old hockey story about Mike Bilberry. Where a guy guys tried to attack him with his shoe, and Mike Billberry took the shoe from him and started beating him over the head with it. Uh. There seems to be a, an appropriate and justified response. But let's move on to the last point: is why isn't anybody offended? I mean, okay, we understand culturally these weirdos over there um, seem to hold well throwing off your throwing a shoe is some sort of high level of insult, but we're just sort of mocking them because we don't really, you know, fit their cultural, we don't agree with their cultural um, definition of insult, okay? Yeah. So there's that issue, and why have we not come back with um, public uh, show of our military might on all of the nations of which he's associated with? Well, in all honesty, he's a, he's an Iraqi reporter, and uh, he only has to take a trip down the street to see what the U.S. military is doing today. Uh, and uh, honestly, from what I've heard from the military, friends in the military, this guy is in the minority opinion over there. For the most part, most people there right now don't mind the U.S. military anymore. They do their job, and... Leave innocent people alone. Well, how did this guy get in? I mean, and 
why? I don't know. There's just so many like well, things they, that they have also gone said, wrong to create such an uh, you know an event where okay, we let somebody take a swing. Uh, you know, even though it was with a shoe, but they took uh, a pot shot, a physical pot shot against our president in public, in the audience, uh, in in the whole eyes of the world. Okay, and whether or not you like the guy, he is our president, and he is there to represent us. Yeah, true. And, and okay. I, it, it was rather shocking. I, I don't think anybody in the room expected some guy to take off his shoe and throw it at him. Uh, right. From what it sounded like, nobody expected a member of the press to be that rude. Um, well, well, wait a second, though. I understand there's the rudeness angle. But one could also say one does not, one should not, even though this is not the case, one should not expect the press to be politically biased in such a way that they're acting as uh, an agent saboteur. Well, or, or, but, or, um, but you no, shouldn't. An agent provocateur. But you okay. should expect that of the press. In the last eight years, or the last however many years we've been in Iraq, the Iraqi press has been the agent provocateur. Well, I understand that. They've been saying, the, the, okay, I understand that, and you can just as easily say, well, look, you know, if you look in the U.S., you watch, a, you watch your, your major news stations, your major media-type stuff, Mm-hmm. And you'll say, oh, you know what, they're just the publicity organization for the left and the Democratic Party, okay? But that is not the way journalism should be. Right, but it's the way journalism is, especially Correct. in Iraq, because they want to, you know, the liberals want to make Iraq look like it's a disaster. And it's not. And so this guy has been pumped up and been told and been reinforced that, oh, Bush is, should be insulted and should be thrown, you know, insulting Bush isn't a problem. Now, the problem is, is that that is going to land you in jail. And it landed him in jail, and he's probably not getting out. <laughs> and, you know, and unlike the U.S., he's not getting out for a very long time. Uh, which I find, you know, which is at least something good is going to come out of this. But you're right. I mean, why do we allow others to insult our president? You know, that... Well, why, why do we... But more importantly, I mean, I think, there's, and I think this has been for a while, there's a level of arrogance that, as Americans, we have, where we think everybody is so inferior that we can laugh it off and not take anybody else seriously. Right. And I'm not saying this in sort of an elitist way, but but just sort of think of it like this. Um, before September 11th, actually, if you go back to 1993, as well, all the way up through, um, you know, up through 2000, there are a number of fatwas or, or uh, basically jihadist proposition to, or decrees Right. That come from Islamic sources that say we are declaring a holy war. We are declaring a jihad on the U.S. and the U.S. says, <laughs> "Yeah, right, okay." 
And we don't take any of it seriously. And I think the appropriate response that would probably have prevented September 11th, which probably would have prevented uh, the terrorist attack in 1993 and numerous others, is if we take all threats, humorous or not, seriously, well, um... and come down with the full uh, you know, capabilities that we have to... Uh, you know, address these problems head-on as opposed to deferring these problems, perhaps we would have avoided said tragedies. Well, what what if I said this? What if I said, you know, the Iran-Contra scandal, had we not actually convicted Oliver North, had we not actually tried to put these people, these patriotic citizens who worked for the CIA, up on trial, and dismantled the CIA, this never would have been an issue. What if I said September 11th, the CIA could have prevented had they not been dismantled 10 years before or 20 years before? You know, had they been able to run business as usual, we didn't have these problems when they were running, when they were running things as usual. And, and granted, that means they have to deal with sleazy people and they have to do sleazy things. And assassination is one of them. And, you know, get over it, people. We need to, you know, it's a lot nicer to be running the world by, you know, stabbing people in the back than it is by nuking well, people. Well, no, I think, I think there is, and I hate to, it, because it's been mentioned so much lately, it almost sounds cliche, but it is kind of important, and that is a level of transparency and accountability. Yeah. Okay? For the first couple hundred years, uh, well, at least for the first hundred in 150 years, we did have ways of dealing with people, okay? Right. But, uh, we, we did have, for example, if you, if you look at how recently there's the issue of piracy on the seas, mm-hmm. well, we used to have the, these uh, letters of mark and reprisal um, that you could basically have hitmen go out to the ocean if there's someone, you know, invading one of our ships, for example, and basically kill the pirates, and they would be paid, they wouldn't be uh, acting officially on behalf of the country, but they would be paid hitmen to yeah. go kill pirates. Right. Okay, And it was all legal, and it was all public. It was all of public record. Right. When you have government organizations that are accountable to no one, anything can happen. And, and I think that's a lot of the reason why you, we had problems with the CIA. We had problems in, you know, Iran-Contra and the, uh, the extent of what we could and couldn't do became under scrutiny, okay? I thought uh, it was just because the Democrats got jealous of the Republicans' power and they decided to go after them. That's part of it. That's uh, partly true. And so to try to dismantle the Republicans, they went after Iran-Contra. I mean, in Iran-Contra, in this current mode of piracy, is actually two different things. Piracy no, on no, the no, 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 it really isn't. In, in the sense that you're looking at a big concept of foreign policy and where we stick our nose, where, where we meddle, okay? Well, we're, we're, we're talking about 
you know, being involved on the high seas or, or basically in international waters, okay, with our property floating in international waters, okay, is very similar to the fact that we've been going to different countries across the world and setting up bases and setting up businesses mm-hmm. to take basically and exploit for our capital gains. Right. Okay, for our own financial motives in these given areas. And also at the same time impose our will. Yeah, well, there's one thing about the piracy that they say it occurred after we stopped the Cold War buildup of our mili- of our navy. Now, the the piracy has a little bit of a different the piracy has always been an issue. And we it's go back... an issue when it's involved with us as a proxy though. Well, it, right now the issue of piracy and the issue of untamed piracy has always been how much do we want to field our navy to go blow up pirate ships? Mm. Which is what the purpose of our navy is to protect our overseas commerce, right? That's yeah. the purpose of a navy. Um, so our navy is designed to protect us from, you know, protect our overseas commerce and our overseas shipping. Well, and our domestic waters. And our domestic waters. But the real reason, that's the, our domestic waters is supposed to be covered by the Coast Guard. Yep. And the international waters, the ones that are overseas, are supposed to be covered by our Navy and our Marine Corps, if need to be. Well, they to protect our shores from... No, 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 no. The Navy itself is actually, their actual mission is to protect our overseas commerce from piracy. That's their real mission. And that's the in so in so far as the only reason we don't deal with these uh what do you call it? Uh Somali pirates in reality is none of our personal shipping that is coming to the United States with oil is actually going through that strait. They send it the other way. And we don't really buy a lot from the Middle East though the news people would would like you to believe that. So our warships don't actually patrol there anymore. Um, my own personal scratching of my head is, we've got so many warships in that area, why don't we go and blow them out of the water? <laughs> I mean, you can send in pretty much any... You've got enough warships in the area. You've got a fleet command over in... in uh, what is it? Fifth Fleet? You know, you've got a Fifth Fleet command in, in the area. Uh, so it's kind of interesting that we don't deal with it, considering it's an international issue. But basically, they told the Europeans to take care of it. Yeah. And the Europeans are surrender monkeys. So the Indians come up and deal with these pirates, which I thought was the funniest thing. You know, they didn't want their commerce hijacked anymore, so they sent one of their destroyers over there and took care of business. And sunk a bunch of pirate ships. And sunk a pirate ship last week. But so piracy on the high seas. The less you patrol the high seas with your warships, the more piracy you're going to have. It's a balancing act between the two. How much money do you want to spend patrolling the seas versus how much 
piracy right. you're willing to accept. Well, U.S. shipping based on the value of lives or cargo. This is based on the value of cargo. No, nobody yeah. cares about lives. It's never been about lives. Don't, lives are cheap. People are cheap. Get over it. Get over yourself. You're cheap. You're a cheap commodity. Okay. You know, I, I did like the. There's a line from a show, Full Metal Alchemist. I know it's an anime, and I know not everybody likes it, but you know where he says to the main character says to somebody, "Look, Rose. People can be built on the cheap. Okay. <laughs> They're just a bunch of chem cheap chemicals you can buy on a school child salary." <laughs> So, so how do you stand on pro-life issues? My my feeling is I'm not a woman. I don't really care. She can go do whatever she wants with her own body. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. Okay. She's got to deal with the just, consequences just of her. Just making sure every, every listener knows that it, well, the uh, Lord Clark doesn't have a lot of value on human life, so he doesn't mind if you take his. People can be made on the cheap, okay? You can be. You can be replaced pretty easily, right? Uh, I'm, Plastic I'm, parts will replace you, right? Well, you know, somebody can try to replace me, but it's not going to be nearly as interesting. Uh, this may be true. <laughs> but then again, we'll get into the Dread Pirate Clark theory and how, you know, we're trying to train up somebody else to take the place so that I can retire rich after I get rich. Uh so sort of, you know, they'll be the third and fourth person down the line. Uh, it's the name that counts. So this all stems from throwing a shoe. So let's let's bring it on home. Okay. So so how do I? Are the real thing that I think Bush takes out of this is everybody learned he's a little bit more nimble of a person than than we thought he was. Because <laughs> he dodged that first shoe pretty pretty easily, and, you know, he was able to hit the guy through the second one, and he still dodged that one. Yeah. Now, the thing that kind of bothered me was, where were the CIA, where were the Secret Service agents all over this guy? It took them a rather long time to, you know, he could throw the second shoe. I thought that was kind of a little inappropriate that he even got that far. Well, you know, I mean, if you were to look at it like uh Perhaps uh, if you, I mean, if you were to take it out of context and you were to think of, a, you know, the, the president in a room, his life is being threatened. It's almost like a terrorist operation going on there. Right. If he didn't, if he didn't know what was in the shoe, for example. Yeah. Okay. If, if there were, like, say, uh, weapons. Uh, I'm not saying weapons of mass destruction, but let's say there was a small bomb or something else in the shoe. It would definitely be a terrorist, uh, you know, situation at that point. Actually, I, and, I kind of assumed that they were they were they had checked him for everything, and it was just a normal shoe, and that's why he got his shoes passed. Well, if you want to get off conspiratorial, you could say, "Well, maybe the whole thing was staged." I don't know. Possible. I mean, anything is possible, but you know, if you were to think of it. If you were to think of it in, say, the context of, well, you know, the let's roll quote from one of the planes that got, unfortunately, you know, uh, crashed in 9-11, okay, yeah. where the, the um, 
the passengers decided to try to take over the crew in a last-ditch attempt. I mean, I would think if there were any Americans there and they saw their president uh, getting hit, that someone, let alone the Secret Service, someone alongside the reporter would be rushing to perhaps beat him down. Hmm. Someone yeah. should have stepped up yeah. and, you know, taken this threat seriously. Yeah, that's Not true. necessarily the people who are paid to. And we all know how government workers are, you know, here in, the, in our own local municipalities, okay? They wouldn't take a bullet for anything, okay? They wouldn't, they wouldn't, they don't have the moral uh, fiber in many of them. I'm not going to say all, but in many of them to put their life and their health at risk for something, you know, um, that they might believe in. Well, theoretically, the Secret Service and the men protecting Bush are supposed to have signed away their lives saying they would take a bullet for the president. Uh, But you never know. I mean, they seem... It took him a while before they surrounded him and took him down. Now, I'm just reading something really quickly here, that the Internet has been flooded with shoe-throwing games in wake of the Bush incident. Apparently, there are little video games online. (laughs) Like uh, the Bush shoe game, created by Mind360, and uh, Bye Bye Bush. And sock and awe. Sock and awe, huh? That's right. That's funny. Well, it it would be funny if it weren't sad. Yeah, it's true. It's kind of completely sad that people are coming up with this. And what I think is... I think one of the biggest things that's sad is how people turn it, you know try to turn and blame everything on Bush. Well, pardon the pun, because it has to be said, but if the shoe were on the other foot, okay, Yeah. what if it were Obama? Oh, it would be the most, the biggest, the biggest insult to American credibility ever. That's right. right. And what if it were... Some redneck from the south throwing a shoe. Um, yeah, he'd be locked up for a racial hate crime for the rest of his life. That's right. You know, it's kind of disgusting. Yeah. But, you know. I mean, History you know, has a way of repeating itself, and I wouldn't be surprised if somebody decided to throw a shoe at Obama. <laughs> and he won't—he he probably won't dodge it. He's too tall. I just—I just think he—he's he, too arrogant to think somebody's going to throw a shoe at me. You know, he's got that Democrat arrogance. You know, nobody's going to do that to me. Yeah, that same Derek arrogance that got us in got us to the point where we had to see 9/11 happen. Oh, it's disgusting. 
Yep. Oh, pull our troops out. No, it won't hurt any of our foreign relations for the next hundred years. Well, oh. you know, it's it, well, you get you know two sides of a coin with the the whole you know whether or not troops should be home or abroad or whatever. I mean, I am of the sentiment, if you're going to attack someone, you don't occupy. If you're going to attack someone for a reason, you do the job once. Yeah. Okay? If if we have problems with the country, we will have to show them our military might once. And we're not going to leave troops there. We drop bombs, we go home. Yeah. Well, you can't, that doesn't always solve the problem. So, you know, I don't, I, I'm of the other opinion, it, you know, as long as it serves a reason for our economy to, that we need to be there, you know, let's go in and take it over. Well, you know, there's something to be said about making the world safe for democracy, but it's not something I'm ever going to say. I mean, I guess that's where it's going. I mean, it, it, we had relations with other countries that oppressed their own people, and it was of financial benefit to us. Okay? Oh, no. I, I, I have, you know, I'm not one of these people that uh, has any problem with it, you know, with the fact that some of our friends oppress people. I... I you know, it's just that's what happens in life, you yeah, know? But, but here's the thing. I mean, you would think if you look at countries and what they entail and the people they represent, okay, if you mm -hmm. look at the Middle East, for example, our best democratic friend in the Middle East is Israel, okay? Right. Love it or hate it, it is what it is. They're the most democratic nation there. And if we believe that the, the people there support our, our ideals, what we should be doing, perhaps, and, and so, so there's less overall, I mean, we are the biggest superpower in the world still. We still have power, okay, in many ways. We could just as easily say, you know what, we're going to carve some land out somewhere else. And we're going to evacuate our friends from this hotbed of strife in the Middle East. Right. Evacuate or otherwise relocate all of our friends from Israel to some land maybe in South America and have a lot less worldwide conflict because of it. Right. Well, it's it's that I agree. It should be you know should be considered, but you know. But then you look at well, what is that region after after our friends? Because they are producers. They produce technology. They produce goods. They produce services. Once all of our friends over there <laughs> are somewhere safe, the rest of the area, except for oil, means very little to us. Right, and the, and the only reason we really go into Iraq is because we need the, the safety of oil. It was the only reason. I mean, let, let's let's be honest. It has 
nothing to do, you know. Actually, it did because you know there were Al Qaeda training, Al Qaeda training planes there. Uh, no matter how much the press wants to deny those reports, they still came out. They still were there. You know, Al Qaeda was in Iraq. Don't let them fool you. They did find centrifugal parts underneath people's rose bushes, and they're trying to say no weapons of mass destruction. Well, uh, uh, you know, centrifuges just don't happen to appear under somebody's rose bushes. Um, well, don't they grow like weeds? Yeah, they, yeah. <laughs> Magnetic separation air centrifuges grow like weeds, uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, you know, no matter how much they want to, like, try to deny those things. I'm sorry, I must bring up an obscure movie reference. Hunt for Red October. You lost another one of your submarines in our waters? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, knowing full well, we know where both submarines are. Uh, <laughs> and the fact that we tapped your phone lines in, in, your, in your Western uh, Command headquarters, but, you know... Right, right. Uh, there are people in the Navy claiming that they were going to know World War III was going to happen three days before it would happen. <laughs> and you wonder why we won the Cold War. Uh, I, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. Oh. Well, is there anything else about this Christmas holiday that we should uh, think about? Should we reflect on something? Uh, as we kind of wrap things up here for... Yeah, I actually have, I have a little bit. Um, I, I would like to mention, last week, uh, we had the snowstorm, and there was other snowstorms, there was power outages, and... All this fun New England stuff. Right. And so the one thing that I forgot to get for, you know, being prepared or trying to be prepared, short of having a generator, obviously, which I don't have. Are um, you going to get one now? No. Probably not. It's probably not worth it. But the one thing that I really wanted to have was a light source that was bright enough. Uh, so I could, you know, read at night, and I wanted a, a, an old-style lantern. I wanted an oil lamp of some kind. And I, I went from store to store before the most recent big set of storms, so it must have been Friday-ish, mm-hmm. and everybody gone. Everything that involved lanterns, lamps, paraffin, you know, uh, clean heat or, or whatever, uh, clean uh, burning oils, everywhere, gone. Wow. Everything's just gone. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, great. Um, thanks. So, so, I don't know where I was going with that. So, have you since then gotten an oil lamp while they've restocked? Well... I asked my girlfriend had asked me what I wanted for Christmas, 
Right. And I actually did find a resource online that they sell the deep uh, oil lanterns as well as they make their own, uh, and they're all high quality. Nice. And you you can get them, and you're looking at anywhere between uh, I would say nine and fifteen, maybe twenty candle power on those. Okay. And uh, so, you know, as far as as things go, I guess you know that's something uh, to be thankful for. You know, I mean, yeah. You know, uh, that's a nifty gift. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, this is one of these times of year where family is, uh, well, important. And uh, yeah. I guess there's a lot to be thankful for. I mean, I have a job. Uh, you have a job. Most of our friends have jobs. Yeah. I did want to bring up a so – let's back up a second. Okay. We're very thankful to have, you know, all these people in our lives. This is very important. Okay, enough of this happiness. Now. <laughs> enough of this happiness. <laughs> that's, it. that's all you're getting this year, okay? That's all you're getting. Okay. Okay. Now, moving on after that, okay, I wanted to make mention of companies where you work and how they, they handle things. And I've seen this at previous companies, so I'm not going to, you know, say this has anything to do with my current employer because it's not specific to them. Okay. That being said, companies who report, oh, we're doing great. We had a great year. Thank you, guys. You know, we thank you for your service. Thank you for doing all this stuff. Right. And we had our best quarter ever. Oh, geez, we made tons of money. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Okay. Oh, by the way, we're laying some people off. Okay. Yeah. And <laughs> no, while we're laying some people off, oh, yeah, there's a bunch of people. They're going to get bonuses while you're still there. And uh, doesn't that <laughs> suck for you, kind of? Well, the companies don't actually taunt, you know, their employees uh, or employees that would soon be no longer their employees. Right. But, oh, well, you've got this environment where you've got, you're, you're saying, oh, wow, thanks. Um, yeah, we're, uh, we're letting you go, even though we're doing great. And uh, I don't know, it just, it, it doesn't sit well. And, yeah. Uh, so, you know, I mean, I, I compare and contrast all the things I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for having a job. Um, I'm thankful I get good people I work with. And the work I do doesn't exactly suck, or at least most of the time. Right. Well, maybe if it does, and uh, I don't know, maybe I'm a little blind to it. I do sometimes go off about it a little bit, but everybody does too, you know? Yeah. Not everybody has a good day. That's very true. That's a, the point I am getting at is, you know, you can compare and contrast the two, and, you know, without getting back to happy again, you know, I'm thankful I'm not one of those people who are losing their jobs right now. Yeah, and i got to say I'm thankful for that, too, that I'm working for a company that isn't trying to lay people off and isn't trying to cut back and 
is doing well. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it's just kind of weird to have your have your company say they're posting their best quarter ever and still laying people off. That's strange. Well, I would almost say it's passive aggressive, or yeah. at least um, maybe bipolar. I, I don't know if that's the right word for it. Maybe it's, it's absolutely hypocritical. Yeah, that that I think is a good word for it. It's like why? I mean, I understand people are let go for many reasons. Laying off people is a kinder way of doing it than firing them. Uh, but you know, the surroundings that you know you're laying people off and telling one set of people that we're not doing that well, and the other set of people, yeah, we're doing great. You've had your best quarter ever. Well, I think the other part of it I, I've heard from other people I've spoken to, well, yeah, we've had the same sort of situation. It's like, oh, well, we're doing great. But because of the economy, even though we're doing great, because the economy's bad, we're going to get bumped. We're just going to get rid of people because we want to get rid of people. We're going to get rid of people because um, of all of the fear in the economy. Yeah, and that's an interesting... Uh... I hate to say look at it, but I've seen a lot of companies do that. Oh, we're just going to lay people off because we want to cut our the expenses on our books. Yeah. That's kind of scary, but sometimes as an investor, I'm like, you know what? It's what you have to do because I'd rather... Uh, I'd rather see your, I'd rather see my company make money than lose money like the the auto companies. And what's truly sad is they could have done things in the past that like that, where I know it's kind of rough, but they laid off a few people before, and then you know they wouldn't have to be in this much trouble now. Well, that and they just. It had piss poor management, but talking about the automaker it opens up another can of worms, though. Yeah, I know. I want to bang my head against the wall and bang my head through the wall. <laughs> that can of worms. Well, you know, I, I know I've said this to you a couple times. I don't think I've mentioned it on the air, but if I were a foreign automaker in the U.S. and I saw the U.S. government jumping in to try to assist U.S. companies in any way, shape, or form, I'd be running for the hills. I'd be leaving. You know, and to, to think, oh, well, you know, if we, if we help our, our, you know, I mean, you, you can look at it as, oh, well, if I were an investor, say Toyota or Honda, I'd be pretty pissed at, you know, oh, well, the government's helping out my competition, which may actually hurt me. Yeah, well, Toyota doesn't seem to mind mind it. Uh, Toyota just posted their biggest lo- losses in uh, what history. Yeah, and that's more because of the economy right now. Overall, nobody's buying okay, cars. Okay, you can't call the economy card. You can't pull the economy card, okay? Because the economy, look. Okay, the banks well, aren't lending money. Economy. Oh, uh, poor, poor. The poor banks aren't lending any money, so nobody can take out a car loan, so they can't buy a car because they've overpriced the cars. Come on, I, 
you know, look, there's where, a reason I drive a 20-year-old car. There was a law passed as part of this bailout. Well, not a law, but something passed in this bailout terms. It basically means they're putting, they're going to put the pressure on the auto dealers. And if the if the auto dealers don't turn over their cars fast enough, they're going to have to keep paying. They're going to have to pay penalties back to the company. Well, because they're not buying enough cars, they're not selling enough cars? They're not selling enough cars to make them profitable. So what you're going to actually see in the next year or so because of this is your domestic or basically your big three, at least two out of three. You see, what will happen is because Ford's not going to be initially on the take of yeah. this whole thing, Yeah, you're going to see the other two, their prices of their cars are going to plummet because these dealers have to get these cars off the lot, and they're, they're going to drag down Ford with them to match the prices to be competitive with the other U.S. automakers. You're going to see probably car prices go in half on what of what they are. Yeah, well, I mean it's possible. I think the the other thing is is there are the European and Japanese automakers who make superior cars going to cut their prices. Well, I think that's inevitable. The prices are going to drop. They're all going to tumble. It will be a race to the bottom. Yeah. Well, it's possible. I mean, it's possible like airfares that it could be a race to the bottom. Yeah. Um, but, you know, airlines have finally figured it out and have stopped lowering prices. There's only so low you can go. Yeah. Before, you know, I mean, you know, there's a reason why Toyota started manufacturing cars in America. And what reason do you believe that, Vivi? Because it's actually, well, it's a cross between cheapness and quality. They wanted to maintain quality, so they had to build it in a country where they could get quality workers. But, you know, they didn't want to build it in Japan because it was too expensive. You don't think that that, that, that isn't uh, somewhat of a, uh, a fairy tale? Well, it's the truth. Well, actually, in the, sec- in the third piece of that is you can sell your car cheaper because you don't have to pay an import tax if you build it in the United States. And why was that import tax put there? Uh, so that we can, the government can make money. Well, so that we wouldn't lose jobs with the public story. Actually, this is the one time where I could care less about the the tax is actually there as the one legal means that the government has of making money. And it was, it has always been the legal place where taxation is is legal and correct under our constitution and under the way our government was set up. They're not supposed to be taxing the people and their income. They're supposed to be taxing imports. Correct. Uh, 
Well, I agree with that. I agree with that wholeheartedly. I believe it. So, so yeah. I, ha- I have no problem with a company because you're going to make America more productive, more productive by building their cars here. I have no problem with them doing that. Problem with the government not taxing imports from Mexico and China heavily enough. North American Free Trade Agreement? That's a joke. We just gave away one of the rights of our government so that now we have to tax our citizens more because we're giving away our government's legal means of taxation. Yeah. Oh. Now you got me ticked off at Christmas time. Ho, ho, ho. Ho, 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 ho. (laughs) Oh. We're going to dress up in a Santa suit tomorrow, I think. Evil Santa? Evil Santa, yeah. Bad Santa, I don't know. He's going to be Evil Santa. Bad Santa, Evil Santa. And then I'm going to sing Christmas carols poorly. Poorly, huh? Yeah, because I can't sing. Oh. All right. I think we've done a long enough show. Yeah, I do too. Time to call it a night. Time to call it a night. So have a have a silent night. Don't let people, don't let the uh, communist bed bugs bite. Or the Democrat bed bugs. I don't know. Whichever one's worse. <laughs>